0: Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's a type 1 diabetic, a diabetic fitness and nutrition coach, and the host of the insulin Owen podcast. It's Owen Costello. How are you doing today, Owen?
1: I'm doing great. Alex, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on.
0: I'm doing good. I'm excited to learn more about your journey and your Rise to the Challenge. What we like to do first with our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up?
1: Absolutely. So I am from a town called Bray in Ireland, just outside Dublin. So that's why I might sound different to most of the other guests you've had on. But I'm from a small town called Bray. As I said, just outside Dublin. Dublin is the capital of Ireland, obviously. I was always very active growing up. I had a great childhood and I was just involved with so many different activities, sports. I I played almost everything you can imagine from football, basketball, swimming, cycling, running, everything. Everything that there there is to do as a child, I, I gave it a go. And I suppose because I was so active like that, I always believed that I would be involved in sport in some way as I grew up. And I would pursue health, fitness, sport, something in that category as a career. And as I got older into my teens, like I suppose young teens, early teens, I got really, really into football or soccer for the the Americans. So I was big into soccer. I was playing it a lot and I was playing it at a very high level. So that's what I thought was going to be my thing. And I was kind of ready to really give that a go and it was going well. And then at the age of 19, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. So that kind of put everything on, I suppose it it was a big, a big halt for a while, while I kind of got to grips with the whole thing. As you know, Alex, you know how complicated that whole situation can be. And from there, I kind of quickly learned how important consistently staying fit, staying healthy, looking after the food you eat is for living with diabetes. You know, depending on what you eat, how you exercise, even how you sleep, that will benefit your blood sugars in in a massive way. So from that, I just steadily, I suppose, in in a, in a sort of obsessed way just started learning so much about diabetes. I was just, as I said, obsessed with it. I just couldn't get enough of it. I was fascinated about why this had happened to me, what was happening in my body every day, and why are my blood sugars sometimes good, sometimes bad. And from there, I I feel I got a good control of my diabetes from, I suppose, like, Shortly after I was diagnosed, I think after the first six months or a year, I had a good hold of it. I just had a good understanding of it. And then I basically set up an Instagram page, social media, kind of promoting a healthy and a happy life with diabetes. And then it just snowballed from there, really. I, I began began personal training and specifically working with diabetics. And that's kind of what I do, what I do now.
0: Growing up, you talked about the different sports that you played. Was there ever one that you stuck with? You talked about playing soccer or football, but were there other sports that you were kind of like, maybe I could see a passion in and go even farther? Or was it more just for the fun of it at that time?
1: Yeah. It was, I, anytime I played sport, it, of course, it was for the fun of it. I, I was just kind of naturally athletic, and I really, really enjoyed I really enjoyed playing sport and being active, so of course it was it was fun, but i've I've always inherently been very, very competitive. So anything I did, I wanted to do it to the best of my ability. I wanted to win I wanted to, I just wanted to be good at things that I was doing. I, I don't know why why that is. I just always wanted to succeed in a way. But when you ask specifically about a certain sport. I was big into running. I was a sprinter when I was younger. I would do 100 meters and 200 meters. And I was quite good at it. And I was winning races. And then I would also do long distance stuff. And I did a couple of triathlons as well. But I never, it didn't kind of grab me as much as soccer did, in a sense, where I really, I suppose, truly believed that I could pursue it as a career.
0: Soccer for me when I was growing up was like the sport that I played all the time. But then I think my passion left me when I just had a team that just did not care. And like you said, you were competitive. I was competitive also. I'm still competitive today, even if I'm playing games or something, card games, sport (laughs) games. It's kind of sad, but I just enjoyed that like competitiveness with getting out on the field and playing. And then I went through each different sport and I was playing baseball, but then I had I had was diagnosed with diabetes, and that kind of put me. I'm like, I, I don't want to risk anything at the moment. Um, but I've learned a lot about myself playing these sports. Did you learn something big about yourself playing sports that you didn't know about?
1: Not, that. I'm sure I did learn a lot of things. I think it's a great environment as a child to be around a sports team or even a solo sport because you learn you learn to be disciplined and you learn to be hard work and particularly if you you want to succeed or you want to do well or you want to win having that sense of discipline is is a massive part of it so i think for me i le- not that i learned about myself but i i i built a steady a steady routine and I, that could kind of be translated into every other aspect of my life. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just feel from a young age because I was consistently playing sport and I was playing it at a very high level. I quickly learned that you get back what you put in.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: if I'm consistently training and I'm eating the right foods and I'm in a good headspace, then that's gonna that's going to benefit me on the pitch. And you can use that. I feel you can use that logic essentially to every other aspect of your life. You get back what you put in and And for me and you specifically, Alex, you get back what you put in with diabetes. If you don't work on your diabetes or you don't work to educate yourself or look after the food you eat or exercise in certain ways, you're not going to get back what you want. You're going to get, you're going to be yep. feeling awful. You're got, you're, you're, uh, you're going to have a very difficult time living with diabetes. So I feel the sta- the standout benefit of sport. I feel over the years was, was definitely building that sense of routine.
0: I think that's a great point. Even like for us as diabetics and anyone, whatever you put in, even when you're working, like the amount of effort you put into a task or a project that's what the results are gonna get. And if you put minimal efforts and then your boss is like, well, why did this come out so poorly? You now realize why it happens. And I think sports is one of those things where you learn like teamwork, discipline, responsibility, uh, honest, all of those different characteristics, but you use those in now when you grow up and you didn't have that mindset back then you can kind of see it affecting you and how you're able to interact with people nowadays. So it's one of those things where I think that kids should be into an activity or something at a young age to generate those skills as they get older in a way. Did you have any motivations, inspirations growing up? Someone that you looked up to?
1: Do you mean specifically in sports still or just in general? No, just in general um i think my i think my parents have always i know it's a cliche thing to say but my parents have always been people that i've looked up to and respected with very high regard i've 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 held them um at a massive height in my own head really you know they they're both both retired school teachers now but just how they are as people and how they brought me and my brothers up and the integrity they've showed over the years and the hard work they've done always just kind of rubbed off on me. And I feel I, (laughs) even from a very, very young age, that was subconsciously kind of being ingrained in my mind, that sense of hard work, honesty, integrity, just being a happy as much as you can <laughs> and a good person really. So even to this day, there are always people that I'd look up to and, and hopefully will be like them someday and aspire to be like that.
0: Was there ever like a moment that, you, that stands out for you that you're like, wow, I wanna follow in those footsteps in a way? Not saying like from a job perspective, but like from a persona, characteristic aspect.
1: How my dad views, well, and, and my mother as well. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's at me today. <laughs> how, how they both view negative situations is always, has always stood out to me, has always been massively important. And how they have treated negative situations, I feel, has equipped me well with how to combat diabetes every day. And there's always a standout saying that my dad used to say, and it was, no matter what happens to you in your life or what you go through, you either adapt or you die. And he mm-hmm. says, we've, we've no control over what happens to us. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do, where you're from, how much money you make, makes no difference. There's, there's going to be bad things that happen to us. That's just inevitable. They're out of our control to an extent. What's important and what we have control over is how we react and respond to those negative situations. So I feel based on how they've been over the years with me growing up and even to this day has really shown in my own mindset in terms of how I deal with quote unquote negative situations. And I think that's a
0: great point is this show is all about rising to the challenge and how we overcome negative obstacles in our way. And we always say that if a negative thing happens, it may be happened for reasoning. And we always can grow and learn from those situations because no one's life is perfect. Even if you see the people on social media and celebrities, their lives aren't perfect because we don't know what's happening behind the scenes all.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you kind of have to learn from every situation and it just helps you grow as a person.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's a skill in itself and a skill that you can learn to be able to identify even a minute positive aspect of a negative situation. There's, there's always, and you, you said how you can learn from something. <clears throat> no matter what happens to you, you can always learn from it and you can learn, you know, how, how can I deal with this or what will this lead to or what can I turn this into? There's always some way you can twist a negative situation.
0: What was that? We kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but what it was a dream job that you wanted?
1: Always wanted, actually I have two. So, so <laughs> the big one was a professional soccer player. That one didn't happen, obviously.
0: <laughs> hey, you never and,
1: know. Well, yeah. Well, I think that ship sailed for me, <laughs> unfortunately. And the other one was, I went to I went to art college for five years and got a degree in animation. So, for years, I think I wanted to be an animator. Well, at least I worked towards it for five <laughs> years and got a degree, but. Yeah, that was something that that I always wanted to do. You know, I've always been massively into art and drawing and cartoons, and I thought that it would be really enjoyable and something that I would love for years and years and years down the line to be an animator in a studio or start my own company or whatever it may be. But I kind of steadily fell out of love with animation kind of halfway through art college. I stuck with it and got the degree anyway, but yeah, soccer player and animator,
0: and neither of them have happened. (laughs) (laughs) Like we say, you never know. Exactly. (laughs) You could be animating some of your social media posts.
1: Well, there you Um, go. You don't have to hire a designer.
0: (laughs) Ah, Yeah. So when you were going to college to study animation, was there a specific project that you saw or you were looking at it, kind of like oh I really want to do that I want to kind of do that kind of style in a way
1: I think during college I, when I was growing up my whole life I've always been I always loved Disney and I love those old style hand-drawn Disney movies I just think even to this day they're just phenomenal so I always wanted to do something like that and I, I always appreciated the stories behind them and you know how they, how they make you feel happy, sad, worried, whatever it may be, it, and I, I was always fascinated how an animator could tell such a compelling story in a sense with cartoons. So that's side of it I, I really, I really was into. But there, there wasn't really one that stood out to me. I always, I was always interested with with how how and why certain movies or scenes would make you feel a certain way. but There wasn't really any that jumped out at me now that I can recall. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, Disney is one of those companies that is basically seen a lot of transition through the way that they make movies where you have is a Fantasia, like that kind of style, yeah. to where it's now 3D animation. Stuff and it's just unbelievable to see the transformation that they've done so i mean that's that's a lot of people's dreams is to work for disney and when did you start noticing that your love for animation was falling away
1: so i started i started consistently going to the gym and and training when I was, I think my second year in college. So I was about 19 or 20. And I was got, I, that was just something I loved. I really, really loved going to the gym. And still to this day, it's my favorite part of the day. I just, I just really enjoy training. So I was doing this consistently, maybe four or five, even six days a week. And then obviously still going to college. And I think how, how some of the classes were taught and and I, I think I think unfortunately, I feel my experience in college didn 't do me a lot of favors in terms of my love for animation itself, but a lot of it had had to do with the fact that my love for training was steadily growing, and I remember there was <laughs> there was a day in college where we were preparing for a presentation we each had to do for. It was just some project we had to do. And I was, I was sitting in the class, listening to other people's presentations, waiting for mine. And I I was looking forward to it and whatever whatever it was, but I turned to my friend and I was like, I wish I could go to the gym as a job. (laughs) And it's like a weird thing to say, but it stands out to me in my own mind now because it was almost like a turning point where I was like, I've just said that out now. And now it's something that I almost subconsciously was thinking about. But then I was thinking, Hmm, how could I do that? How could I have a career where a lot of it is due to, or a lot of it, it, you need to go to the gym. It's a big part of it. And then I was thinking, Hmm, I want to train diabetics and, you know, I see the the benefit of healthy living, exercising, healthy eating with, with, um, with diabetes, so I think that was kind of the turning point, but that was like maybe second year in college, so I had another two, four years to go, you <laughs> know, but I, I feel I was in that deep already, I, I thought, I'll just get the degree here, then move, then move forward.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people where they kind of find, they have their mindset on like one area, and then as they're learning and learning, they're like, okay, this isn't for me or I, can, I don't know what's next for me in that way. And you kind of found it where it's just the daily tasks that you do working out. And that's when you start kind of almost being an entrepreneur in a way and thinking, well, how can I make this a business? How can I do this to help people? So it's one of those things where you, you it kind of, I, I tell even my friends, try different things because you never know what you're going to like and what's going to mm-hmm. stick. So as you, you mentioned earlier that you were 19 when you were diagnosed with diabetes 19 yeah talk about the road till that point where you got diagnosed how are you feeling (laughs) we all have that story where maybe our bodies weren't like reacting to certain things normally
1: yeah
0: of course so it
1: was 2011 or 12 i can't remember correctly but anyway i was on my christmas holidays from college so in Ireland when when you're on your Christmas holidays and the two three weeks leading up to Christmas itself it's a lot of going out it's a lot of going to bars it's a lot of partying it's you know you're seeing your friends you're, you're spending time with family the drinking age in Ireland is 18 just to clarify oh, so I was off college and I was a carefree 19 year old to an extent the only thing I was worried about really was how many days left do I have before I have to go back to college? So I was going out a lot. I was going to bars and I was naive. I was naive at that age in terms of diabetes. I knew nothing about it. So the thought of me being diagnosed with diabetes was just, it, it was something that just never even crossed my mind. Here's me thinking, you know, I'm an invincible 19 year old. I'm fit. I'm healthy. I look after myself. Nothing can ever be wrong with me, you know, such a naive thought to have. But anyway, I was really, really, really thirsty. And I'm sure you know this, Alex, you just have this unquenchable thirst. And I would justify that thirst because I would, I would say I'm only thirsty because I'm hungover from the night before. <laughs> you know, I've I've had ten pints the night before, so that's why I'm really thirsty. And I I just remember it so vividly. I was standing by my sink, just pint after pint after pint of water, and it was as if I wasn't drinking anything at all. Now, that didn't even ring alarm bells for me because I was thinking, you know what, oh, I'm going out tonight too. It doesn't matter. I had lost about 25 pounds in the space of a month. But I didn't notice that really because, you know, when you see yourself in the mirror every day or you don't necessarily notice physical changes because they're more gradual. But I had seen a friend. I bumped into a friend that I hadn't seen in a while and she came up to me and almost alarmingly, she kind of blurted out, you look you look really different. And I was like, what, what do you mean I look different? And she goes, uh, I don't know, you just look different. And looking back now, it's obviously because I had lost so much weight in such a short space of time and she hadn't seen me. So still, I wasn't really thinking or worrying about it. And my parents were kind of silently concerned in the background. So they suggested, without overly concerning me they said go down to the local gp get a blood test just make sure everything's okay so i i initially refused because i was like i'm fine i'm fine there's nothing to worry about but then i gave in and i said i'll go down i'll get a blood test just to reassure you guys that everything's fine went down got a blood test and about two days later my doctor called and said you have type 1 diabetes you need you need to go into the hospital now because your blood sugars are unbelievably, dangerously high, dangerously high. So I rushed into the hospital that morning. Within about 30 minutes, I was on a drip, and my blood sugars were like 680. And they said I was less than 48 hours away from a coma. So wow. pretty. it was an intense couple of days, I
0: have to say. Well, you mentioned that you lost so much weight, but were you working out at the time, so you might have thought, Well, maybe i'm just working out and that's maybe why i'm losing all this weight or was it just yeah
1: i was i was training at the time but i hadn't i wasn't really training consistently so it's it's not it wouldn't be the same as as if today i was diagnosed where Mm -hmm. I, i would lose loads of weight because it would be much more noticeable but because back then as i said i kind of justified it for you know going out drinking more around the christmas holidays maybe not eating as much food because i was drinking more and yeah I, I just had an excuse for everything really any sign or symptom i had an excuse so me me associating diabetes with myself was had just never even crossed
0: my mind i can definitely relate to the having the hard time to admitting to symptoms when i was diagnosed I was 11 at the time and my I came down the stairs in the morning, right before school and my whole left side of my face was like, eyes were swollen shut, kind of like a mini stroke in a way. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I can go to school. I have, Nothing's wrong with me. And they're like, no, you need to go look in the mirror. And I'm like, what? I look fine. As I can't see out of one side of my eye. <laughs> yeah. So her mom just sent me to the doctor and i was admitted to the hospital with something called bacterial meningitis which deals with something the spine i was so young at the time i don't even remember what they the doctors even said so i was in the hospital for a week and then they're like oh yeah you have diabetes and i'm like really two bad things now like can it get any worse can the third thing happen so it kind of like changed my mind at a young age like i to Mm. serious i was like i was living a normal life and everything But as you were mentioning with, like, at the time when you were diagnosed with, like, drinking, going out, eating, all that, during my days in college, I stayed away from alcohol. I mean, I Mm. drank beer. My family's watching. They know I did. But I just stayed because I would see my friends, and they're going, like, crazy. And I'm like, imagine if I was doing that, and they're all in this state, and something bad's happening to me. They're not going to do anything about it they're gonna see me sleeping on the ground. They're like, oh, he's just taking a nap. So I had like a different (laughs) mindset at that time where I'm like, I have to be like the parent in a way. But to me, I still enjoyed it. But the eating, the holidays times, it's the hardest part because I'm like, can I have that, can I have that, can I have that? But Mm. it's just like one of the things where I've had to learn to admit, like if there's something wrong, I need to take care of it. And I always talk about the story literally in January, um, I woke up, it's like nine o'clock, I was supposed to be at the office for work at eight. And my boss is calling me and she's like, where the hell are you? I'm like, oh, I'm, I just was on the phone with someone. They're like, who are you just talking to? And I was like talking to one of our employees and they're like, you don't sound right. And my boss it has another coworker recording our conversation because they thought I was on drugs and alcohol. And I'm like, well, it's Sunday. I'm not doing any of that. I mean, it's football season at that time. But But they showed up at my door and they're like seeing me walk around my house, kind of like acting like I'm drunk, sent me right to the hospital. I'm like, I don't need to go to the hospital for anything. But yeah, it's crazy where our minds, we have a hard time admitting, maybe not for you, but I know for me, I had a hard time admitting things that were wrong. Because I'm I'm one of those people that I try to be strong and just going through it. Did you have moments where you had that mindset of I'm struggling, but I don't want to reach out to anyone?
1: All the time. Uh, it's I was I was the only one out of my family that didn't cry about me being diagnosed. Oh wow! Now I'm not saying I'm a tough guy or anything. It, <laughs> it was just it, it was just. It was something that I just took on the chin and I not that I wanted to reach out to people, but I, I felt I never needed to, in a sense. I, when I was diagnosed, obviously it's, it's very, very difficult to get your head around it initially. And to understand that this is a overnight life-changing situation. So you go into the hospital everything's fine. When you come out, you have to inject yourself multiple times a day. So it's, <clears throat> it's definitely a big, it's definitely a big change. But I think my mindset was always strong around it. Where I, as I said earlier, had, had the ability from a young age to see a negative situation as a negative situation, or twist it around and make something positive out of it. So, It's easy to, it's easy to live that way when everything is going your way. It's easy to say, everything you know. It's easy. (laughs) What am I trying to say here? It's easy to say that if something negative happens, I'll react in a positive way. When everything's positive, it's easy to say that. But it's tested when something negative happens, and that ideology, I suppose, and philosophy that I had was tested when I was diagnosed with diabetes because this was a massively negative situation for me, to, for me to see in my own head, can I make something positive out of this? And I have done, which I'm proud of, and I wouldn't change it going back to it. So, yeah, I was the only, I, I think I was the only one out of my family that didn't react, emotionally to it in a weird way. Hmm. Yeah. I think that answers your question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, my family was crying. I'm like, guys, it's just, this can't be that bad. 14 years. Had ago.
1: you known anything about it though? At the start? No.
0: Why? Like they always say like, Oh, someone in your family might've had it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I have no idea who in my family has had it. No one is telling me that anyone had it. It's like it came out of nowhere. I mean, you see the commercials all the time on TV, and they're, like, talking about diabetic products. I'm like, oh, I don't have that. Yeah. Well, now I'd have it, and I've seen more commercials nowadays. But <laughs> yeah. its I just didn't think about it at the time. Like, oh, this is – I mean, I was drinking Mountain Dew brownies. I mean, you would think I'd be, like, a type 2 diabetic at that time. I type <laughs> yeah. not But – are you still nowadays teaching like family and friends all about like what you're going through symptoms, what to look for, or do they kind of understand and they kind of could handle it if they needed to?
1: For the most part. Yeah. The vast majority of my, of my family now would be experts on diabetes, just from, even from listening to my podcast and just being around me so much. It's, it's, It's hard not to learn stuff when you're around me so much because diabetes, as you know, Alex, is just such a massive part of your day all the time. And it's a massive part of my career, so it's always on my mind anyway, you know? So, yeah, of course, there's family and friends where they they, they might say, you know, oh, can you eat that? Or I only gave you half a slice because I know you're diabetic. Or you've you've heard of them all before yourself, I'm sure but no for the most part they they uh, <laughs> they know a lot Well, they better know a lot or else <laughs> I'll be, I'll be given out to them after all this time but no yeah i think most of them most of them know a lot
0: did your fitness routine change at all from before you were a diabetic to now where you are a diabetic do you use the same schedule or are you more aware of symptoms and like what exercise you're doing at this time, what your blood sugar is?
1: Of course. So like most things, well, pretty much everything is more complicated when you have to monitor your blood sugar 24-7. So I've, I've almost built my training routine around my diabetes and then built my diabetes around my training routine. So I haven't, I haven't necessarily... Change what I do when I'm in the gym or when i 'm running, but I know but let's say my schedule and routine before, during, and after mm-hmm. has changed, so the physical movement aspect of exercise hasn't really changed. I'll still do the same types of exercises, the same types of rep ranges, the same runs, whatever it may be. but the the hour or two before training during training, of course, and then the hour or two after training have drastically changed because you, you really need to be looking after your blood sugar leading up to exercise during and post-exercise because it can be potentially very dangerous to exercise as a diabetic because if, if you're not kind of clued into where your blood sugar is at, at every time or every moment, it's not as easy to identify a higher or low blood sugar because if you're training hard, your heart heart rate might be increased. You might be sweaty, maybe even slightly dizzy. These can all be signs and symptoms of highs or low blood sugars. So you you might be able to dismiss a high or a low and say, "Ah, I'm, I'm just training. I'm just training. I'm not going high. I'm not going low. Whereas it could be. So yeah, I, I just think my routine around it has has completely changed. More, more rigid, a lot more stringent with my time leading up to it. So I have to make sure everything's just exactly right.
0: See, I wish I knew that a couple of years ago because I wasn't like that working out. I didn't check before. I was like, oh, I'm fine. I just need water or something. But... Now I've really like, taken a look back during this time, especially during the pandemic, it's kind of like been a self-reflection in a way where I need to look back at what have I been struggling with and what can I do to change? And so following like you has helped where I can be able to say, okay, I'm doing this right, but I can change this and not feel bad about myself doing that. So it's definitely it's helped hearing someone else say, what they've gone through, and, okay, I'm going through something similar. Let's try it differently. I'm always one of those, I'm going to try something. I'm not going to just. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And specifically with diabetes, it's I always say all type 1 diabetes is the same, but no type 1 diabetic is the same. (laughs) All, All our schedules, all our routines, all our bodies, our activity levels, our hormones, our stress, our jobs, whatever it is, they're all going to be different to each other. So there's no one size fits all with type one diabetes. So it's important for people to kind of have a general overview of information of diabetes and then specifically tailor it for themselves, for their life, for their work, their stress, whatever it is. So it's it's just important for you to kind of always have your, diabetic mind switched on, you know, and constantly be analyzing how and why your blood sugars are a certain way.
0: As a social media content creator, when you're doing a post or doing a video or a QA, and I just saw one of your Q&A's where you're out at six o'clock in the, or five o'clock in the morning walking. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm asleep right now because of the <laughs> difference. But I stayed up and watched each one what goes it. through your mind when you're posting? Like, what are you wanting to talk about or tell a story about to the people that follow you?
1: Well, I think it's important for me to share as much information as possible. Of course, I don't know everything. I never will know everything, but I pride myself on knowing a lot about diabetes. So I I really enjoy posting because I know there's a certain amount of people following me now, vast majority of whom are diabetic themselves or have diabetic kids. So it's almost like I feel there's a sense of responsibility there because people have now pressed that follow button. So they're hoping for, for they're hoping for something from me. So it's I wanna, I I want people to to learn something. I want people to benefit from every post I make. Or even just be entertained. You know, it could be something <laughs> stupid, something funny. But I want people to, yeah, I think be, be, learn something, first of all. I want people to understand that if they're out there living with type 1 diabetes, they're not the only ones living with it because it can be such an isolating condition at times. So that's a big one. I, I, I wanna just promote diabetes in a, very healthy and happy way because it's something that if you don't treat it with its deserved severity, it can so easily consume your mind and and, <clears throat> and kind of take over your day. So yeah, from my post, the, the things I think about are how will somebody benefit from this? What can they learn? Will they laugh <laughs> for one of those posts? How How can this make them feel more reassured? All those type of things. How can somebody benefit? That's always that's always on my mind.
0: What would you say for someone that's listening to this interview comparing to like someone else that does the same thing? What is the main thing that makes you stand out?
1: In terms of training or just as a, well, as a diabetic?
0: Your coaching, um, fitness routines, your so- influence on social media. Because yeah. so, there's like so many people out there that they want to be a person that posts about diabetes, but there's so many out there. It's like, you don't know who to trust Mm. in a way. So what makes you stand out that people can feel that they're getting the best quality information from?
1: Well, everything I post, I'm sure to double check before I'm posting. If it's a fact about diabetes or something like that, I'm not just going to post the post. I always make sure that something is correct. Mm. When, I feel I'm, I'm very honest with my posts on social media. I feel that, of course, I share the good things about diabetes because I want people to to feel good about it. I don't want it to just be a negative, a negative aspect of their life. But I also feel it's important to share the crappy sides of diabetes too. So if I'm having a massively stressful day, or I'm sick, or I, I've miscalculated my insulin, or eaten too much, or whatever it is. I'll post my blood sugar at 250, whatever it is, you know? Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been an empathetic person. And I feel that's been highlighted more since diagnosis. So if there, any, if there is anybody listening here and they have type one diabetes, I would, uh, I'd be honored if you follow me first of <laughs> all, but if you ever want to reach out or just get in touch about anything, I'm always an open book. So I I think, yeah, I, I fully understand and appreciate what people have to go, to go through each day living with this thing. So it's not easy, but a, a big part of it is, is being able to stay positive.
0: I think from the, short, or the amount of time I've been following you, you definitely give the reality check in a way where you share like the struggles that you've gone through. And we can all comment and compare, not we can all relate to each other and going through that similar situation. And mm. just from the comments I've seen on your post, everyone's so positive and helpful. And I think that's the mentality that you have shown through your post, where you want people to be supportive and positive and even reach out to people, you communicate. And I think that just shows your personality in a way that people drive to come to see what you're able to show.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that. That's, I'm delighted to hear that.
0: <laughs> what opportunities have you gotten through the fitness side? Is there anything that you've like talked to like like videos, YouTube channels, all that kind of stuff?
1: in terms of connections
0: I've made? or yeah like you talked about you're a fitness coach also. Have you been given any opportunities to do stuff outside of like diabetes fitness and stuff?
1: I have, I have been a couple of times, but I'm very, I'm very reluctant to step outside the diabetes world. I want to be specifically a diabetic trainer and that's what I am. I do, and I have trained quote unquote normal people in the past. Uh, They're a lot easier to coach because you, you don't have to, you don't have to take on board the whole diabetes side of things yeah like there's been a few opportunities in terms of like training other people or doing or doing kind of group projects whatever it may be with um with people who aren't diabetic but it's not really something i wanna do I've always just kind of honed in on the diabetic side but it, but for me because because it's it's just me i don't i don't work for a fitness company or whatever it is. It's just me. It's just my coaching, insulin coaching. So because of that, I want to just hone in on diabetes, as I said, and just perfect people's blood sugars. I want want people to understand their bodies. I want people to be able to analyze their blood sugars, analyze their diabetes every day. So it's not like I work with you for four weeks and then you're out the door. I like to work with people for ongoing basis, you know, three, four, five, six, seven months. So they really, really, really understand their diabetes because this condition isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Nope. So the sooner you can get a grip of that and get a grasp of, of the whole thing, the the healthier and happier, happier you'll live.
0: What's the most rewarding part you get out of helping someone or coaching them?
1: Just seeing the transformation of not it's not necessarily a physical transformation of course that comes in time too if you are a personal trainer or fitness coach that's what you like to prioritize as well but for me the most rewarding side of it is seeing somebody's mindset change around it because vast majority of the time the people that reach out to me and the people that I start to work with are people whose blood sugar are all over the place. That's why they're reaching out. They are people who may not be confident in their diabetes. They might just feel completely helpless with the whole thing. And it's just, it's, I, I sometimes can't describe the feeling getting off the phone with a client or getting a message from a client that says, you have like changed my diabetic life, basically. And somebody that I just finished working with Only a few weeks ago. I had a great time coaching her. She was always really, really hardworking. And I I appreciate people who work hard with me. And that's what I expect because you're not going to see results otherwise. But when she came to me, her blood sugars were consistently well, let me just calculate into the American readings. So her blood sugars were consistently over, over like 250. So yeah, like all and because she had lived this way for so long, her body almost adapted to being at that height. So when she would come back down to, you know, even 200, 180, she would feel as if she was having a hypo. So yeah. when I was working with her, I kind of steadily saw that mindset shift of her understanding her diabetes, her understanding the importance of really getting a grip at this thing getting her blood sugars down and just creating a higher standard for her diabetic health. And as I said, we just finished working with, with each other a couple of weeks ago and she sent me a text saying, "You've changed my life." And she goes, if I didn't if I didn't reach out to you, I would have been dead in 10, 15 years. maybe not dead, but something serious, serious could happen too. yeah well and, but that's the reality of it. it. if you don't treat this thing seriously, and you don't get a grip of it, there's there's some bad things down the line, you know. So that that means more to me than than anything really.
0: Did you get emotional when she sent that text? Nearly. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly. <laughs>
1: ah yeah, I did, of course I did. <laughs> it's
0: like you know I didn't make you were. It was not like no, no, no. Crime, as I but...
1: said, I'm tough, I'm tough. <laughs>
0: Is there always a goal that, or is there a goal during this time that you want to hopefully accomplish as a diabetic or a fitness coach with diabetes? Is there something that you haven't been able to do yet that you're hoping maybe in the future that you're able to do?
1: Well, my my podcast that's called The Insulin Podcast, Redefining Diabetes, I call it that because essentially I want to redefine diabetes and I want to do that in two ways. I want to redefine diabetes to the general public so that they can differentiate between type one and type two and understand that there are also other types. I want people to realize how serious this thing is. I want people to not jump at, Oh, you ate too much sugar as a child or you can't eat that because you're a kid. I want people to just understand it better. And then the other side of redefining diabetes is I want diabetics to redefine it in their own head. I want them to not view it as an overwhelmingly overwhelmingly negative aspect of their life and help them understand that, yeah, it's not ideal. Of course, we'd rather not be diabetic, Mm -hmm. but it can be positive. It can be something that teaches you discipline. It can be something that gets you to exercise more. It can be something that makes you treat your nutrition better. So redefining diabetes is for the public and redefining diabetes is for a diabetic specifically. So I think that's, that's a, I don't even know how that would happen over time, but that's, that's a big one for me. I just want to change the perception of diabetes worldwide.
0: Your episodes are great. I mean, I listen to them all the time. And I think it's great to get a different perspective on diabetes in a way, because I think that's the great point or the great work of networking and us like what we're doing right now, communicating and Mm. kind of learn from each other what we've gone through and what we can do differently and what we can try to do next. Because it's always a way where if you're not set in stone, you can make changes and see, does that work? Hopefully it's not an extreme of what happens, but just the knowledge you can get. And I'm always a person that's wanting to learn. So anyway, I'll sit at work listening to a podcast for an hour. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. But I get something out of it. And that's what I enjoy by listening to what you do. And is there a guest that you're hoping to get Four. I know you do a mixture of guests and well, mostly solo, but guests also. Is there a diabetic that you hope to get in the future?
1: You, Alex. Oh. <laughs> um, there's no standout kind of holy grail diabetic that I want to get on. I'm just intrigued and fascinated to hear everyone else's story. There's no there's no one specifically that I'm aiming for really. But I think just everybody that comes on has has a fascinating story. Everybody has a different perspective. Everybody has you know, everybody has started from somewhere else and their diabetes one way or another has led them to where they are. That may be physically, it may be mentally, it may be anything you know it's it's yeah there's not there's no there's I'm thinking why who should i get on i'm i'm thinking now is there anyone that you think i should get on that's
0: a hard, see there's so many there's so many athletes out there and mm. i'm always fascinated with the athletes because their schedules and how they deal with it is just it's like amazing how they're able to perform at a high level but be able to maintain their blood sugars and they take and
1: everything. I don't They're hard to get a hold of. I've been, I've been emailing and <laughs> trying to reach out to a lot of athletes.
0: <laughs> well, have you ever LinkedIn? Are you on LinkedIn?
1: No, no. That's actually yeah. a good show.
0: I found some on LinkedIn. Um, there's an Olympic swimmer named Gary Holt Jr. who was 14. I know him. I met him. Okay. But he would be a good one. He's he like one a- of those diabetic, diabetic advocates also, where he's at. Mm so there's like hockey players soccer players
1: there's a okay. couple of football players too isn't there
0: yeah mm. Wikipedia has a lot of names
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think Halle Berry is also a type 1 diabetic is she really yeah I think so she'd be a cool guest
0: oh, now I'm going to search her and see it. <laughs> yeah. if that, if that's
1: just... I'll see her on your podcast next <laughs> week
0: <laughs> you're like one of my friend Owen's podcast also <laughs> yeah Looking back at your career, well, so far, and you talked about that you had the passion of animation. Do you kind of wish now where you're at, you also were doing that also, or you're happily fine with the path that you've taken right now?
1: As a whole, I'm very happy with where I'm going. And I work extremely hard towards that but I I think there's also, there's also days where it's terrifying because everything I do relies on me. You know, it's, this isn't like a company that I've set up. Uh, It's just me that's doing it for, for now. So some days I, when I, when I kind of doubt myself or, That little voice creeps into your head, like, what the what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? You know, (laughs) go get it, go get a normal job. Those are kind of scary days. But you just you just need to talk yourself back out of that. But specifically around animation, no, there's no there's no love loss there really. I never really have days where I think, God, I should have done that or I should have done this, because everything you do is based on a decision you make at a certain time and you made that decision for a reason. So you have to deal with it, good or bad, you know, but no, I'm, I'm really happy where I am now. I'm happy working towards where I hope to go. And the, Oh yeah. The only negative side is that, is that bit of doubt thinking, Hmm. As a quote unquote secure job would be a lot better you know but yeah. I don't I don't I don't want to do that never on never on the agenda
0: for people that have gone through similar things where they are, have doubts about job security in a way, what techniques or what have you done to tell yourself that it's gonna be okay I just need to keep on doing what I'm doing and everything will follow follow through in a way I think the number one. Now,
1: don't get me wrong. It's not like I have, I, I'm massively successful in any way. It's just like I, I make a good living for myself and I love what I do. The, the biggest thing that, and that would jump out of me is just having a passion for it because if you're relying on yourself initially to get something off the ground, you're going to need to put in a massive, massive, massive amount of work. And if you're not enjoying doing that work, you're not going to do it. So, you need it needs to be something that, of course, it's not going to be perfect all the time. And there are going to be days where you want to pull your hair out, but <laughs> that just they come naturally. So, yeah, I think have, having a passion for it is massively important. And then on the days where you're doubting yourself or you think you're kind of second guessing what you're doing, just identifying that, being able to take a step back and reassure yourself in the order with the more positive side of your mind, I guess. Definitely positive
0: mindset is definitely key. Mm. We talk about this on my show all the time, where anytime that negative thought comes in your brain, it's just, it's now a roller coaster in a way. Mm. And if you have that positive mindset, you're going to be able to go for your goals, short-term or long-term. You're going to feel better mentally and emotionally. And physically, you're going to be able to get yourself up of bed and go for what you want to go for and i've had those moments where passion wasn't there for something i was doing and the first thing i'm like well i need to get out of this but i had to kind of take a step back and be like everything happens for a reasoning just keep on going and definitely with my show the passion's there and i know that it's going to be a lot of hard work to get to where i want to be i'm not going to be some mega tv sitcom right now or tv show interview which that would be pretty cool i will never say. know, you will never know. <laughs> I, mean, I just need to be a little bit funnier but i'm not funny at all um <laughs> but it's one of those things where we're pa- we're both passionate about what we want to do and we're excited to see what's going to happen next so talk about what does the future look like for you professionally and personally what do you want to accomplish in the next few years knowing that a pandemic's going on at this moment
1: yeah it's certainly It's certainly uncertain at the moment, but for me personally, I just want to, I want to just keep building what I'm doing. I want to over time build my coaching business, get more people on board in terms of other coaches that I can work with and, and that kind of thing. There's, yeah, a big one a big thing that I want to do, not not that it's gonna benefit me financially at all, but I want to speak in colleges and schools about diabetes. A big thing I wanted to do was go back to maybe even the school I was in or a college that I was in or whatever it may be, and speak to people at a younger age. Because I know that if if I heard from somebody like me when I was 19 and diabetic, I definitely would have felt better because it's reassuring to hear from people who have kind of been through what you're going through at that time. So that's a big one. Just I I really that's that's been on the agenda for a while going back to schools and colleges and hopefully spreading the diabetic gospel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you brought up a good point and not to sidetrack, you talked about going back to like two places and talking from your perspective. Is it a lot easier for someone that is a diabetic to listen to someone that's a diabetic? Or like how we all go to doctors, but they might not have diabetes. So they might not understand the things that we go through. How would you view both sides? Which one would benefit a person more? And which one's helpful for them?
1: See, it depends. Of course, it's important to hear other other perspectives from other diabetics out there. But well, you need to be careful to take advice from other diabetics if they don't necessarily know what they're talking about outside of their own experiences. Mm-hmm. But of course, there's obviously huge conflict around the fact that we potentially go in and see our doctors three months, six months annually. And we're being told, why did you do that? Or why don't you do this? And you feel like saying, well, you don't live with this thing 24 <laughs> hours a day. You know, you, there, there's, a, there's a big, big, big difference between learning about diabetes from a book and living with diabetes for every single second of every day. The doctors don't wake up at 3 a.m. hypos. The doctors don't get pissed off when their blood sugars are very low. And they're so they're so irritable if somebody speaks to them, they get a smack. <laughs> you know, not that that's happened, but you know how that feels. So it's important for people to hear from both. Of course, practically, and technically, in a sense, we need to hear from doctors and medical professionals because they know what they're talking about, obviously. but we need to see, we need to hear from other diabetics, and that's why the online diabetic community is so important. And I've benefited hugely from it. Speaking to people, connecting with people, even chatting to you today, Alex, just hearing that other people go through it makes you feel less overwhelmed, makes you feel more reassured, less isolated. So it's important to get both sides. What do you think?
0: So I'm one of the, I trust me, I've wanted to like back talk to my doctor so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You weren't up at three o'clock in the morning with a 30 blood sugar trying to like make it to your kitchen or something. Mm-hmm. I prefer listening to a diabetic more. The only reason I'd say that is because if you ask a question, like if you've gone through this scenario, what would you do? I can't really ask that with my doctor. Like, mm-hmm. how did you go through this scenario? But when I, the doctor may know like the insulin sensitivity for me a lot more, but Mm. it's one of those, it's mixed thoughts. I I mean, I go to him, my doctor has been able to like, if you have a question, email him right away. So that's helped a lot, but it's kind of like, what do I ask him? Like, there's some things that I I mean, I go on Google, but Google is like the worst place to (laughs) ask a question. I mean... It's like looking up WebMD, web it's like, nope, not doing that. But <laughs> I'm mixed on those things. But I always have to ask other diabetics because when so- you're coaching someone, they're trusting that you know the information, you have the knowledge according to, since you don't have a degree in chemistry, biology, all that stuff. Mm. So it's always interesting to hear, but I think we both kind of feel the same way where there's some things that we can talk to a diabetic about. And then there's some things that you can talk to a doctor about.
1: If I I had to pick one, it would definitely be diabetic. Over the years, I've learned a hundred times more from diabetics than I have from my doctors. (laughs) Because living with something and experiencing it every second of every day is a vital part of learning it. You know, essentially we're all experts of diabetes because we've lived with so consistently for so long so i would be more confident about hearing experiences from another diabetic than i would hearing from a doctor it's kind of weird to say but that's the reality of it really
0: <clears throat> well it's like if you're trying to ask a diabetic well what's your carb ratio it's like okay they're gonna say one answer your answer could be completely different. <laughs> oh <How laughs> yeah true change your a lot of that comes down to yourself. Yeah <laughs> in that out well, I'm gonna to go to my doctor to ask that question. Um for someone that's listening to this interview based on your industry that you're in what tips or advice would you give them to rise to their challenge to become knowledgeable and an expert in the fitness and diabetic coaching community? Good question. We ask the tough questions on here. Mm,
1: (laughs) Again, it's just about having a passion for it, and I think having that sense of empathy. You know, this isn't something that you can jump into because you want to make a quick book. This is something that it's you know I'm I'm in it for the long game, and it's something that I really enjoy doing, and like we were talking about earlier, it's massively rewarding when you're working with people and they're seeing the results that they want and you're, you're helping them and guiding them towards the the results that they want. But as, as advice goes for somebody trying to get involved with just be active within the community, be, be active on social media, reach out to other diabetics, talk to them personally, it, it goes a long way, and that's how you build up a reputation. Give out good content. Don't, don't do something because you want to get more followers or whatever it is. Do something because it's going to benefit people, and people will, people will take that in, and people will notice it, and, and they'll understand that you are trustworthy, you do know what you're talking about, and you'll be fun to work with.
0: No, I totally agree. It's like you kind of have to do it for not the followers or the likes. You have to do it for the impact that you're going to make in helping someone over over time. The final question I'll ask you, based on your journey and experience, for someone that's listening to this interview, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome their challenges, accomplish their goals, and rise to their challenge?
1: try to always have a plan. It's probably a random and broad thing to say, but I I base a lot of my life around decisions and plans. So like when I go into a gym, I have a plan of what I'm going to do. When I start work in the morning, I have a plan of what I need to do. If you don't have a plan with, anything you want to do. If you don't have a plan with your diabetes management, if you don't have a plan with with your work or where you want to be in two, three, four, five years, it's not going to happen because you're just, you're working towards nothing. So I think writing, physically writing stuff down, I'm a big, big, big believer in lists. I love writing lists. So when you physically write something down, it's easier to visualize it, it's easier to make it real in your own head. And once you can make something real in your own head and you believe it, then you can make it happen. So it's almost like shooting so far ahead that it, it's just way, way, way out there. But once it's there written down, you can take steps back further and further and further and further to where you are now and make a plan that leads back
0: to it, if that makes sense. No, it does, because I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm a goal setter in a way. So, like yeah. notes in my phone, notes on my desk here about what do I want to accomplish? What's next for mm. me? Like, what do I want to see in the next month, year, even with the diabetes part? And if I'm seeing the words, it makes me kind of keep thinking about it. If I don't mm. write it down, I'm going to forget about it the next second, because I'm going to be doing something else. So it keeps me motivated and keeps me on top of making sure I'm trying to accomplish those things in a way.
1: If you own, if you don't write it down, it's just an idea. Yeah. And I feel when it's in your head and you put it on paper, then it turns into something physical. Then you can, then it's, then you've put it somewhere. You've put it into the world. You've, you've almost to an extent made yourself accountable to us in, in a tiny, tiny way. But, If you just think of it and it's an idea, that's just going to brush past your head in the next five minutes and it's gone. So decide what it is you want to do. As you say, Alex, make a goal, make a plan, write a list and make it happen.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. I've definitely learned a lot and our listeners are definitely going to learn about the journey that you've taken and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you.
1: Thank you, Alex. Much appreciated. I was delighted to be on, and I'm sure I'll chat to you soon.
0: Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms. Make sure you follow us and subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.